0: Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Other host. <laughs> Always welcome. Not just other, but, but necessary, a, a component like water. I'm I'm the oxygen, you are the hydrogen that does all the production value. I
1: was just going to say I was the the two- the h2o that's
0: right twice twice as hard working uh today we are ecstatic as always but more specifically we are ecstatic because we get to have on a guest that flies into the realm of interest that we were just talking about recently on one of our actually two of our episodes and that is the realm of stand-up comedy this gentleman is a comedian but also has uh hosts a podcast he has some interesting things the projects that he's involved with i'm super excited please welcome kevin goatee
2: hey oh what's up gentlemen and audience how are we today
0: if you can't hear them, they're all applauding. I mean, just massive. It's it's, it's amazing. I can hear it in my monitor. Uh, right, Raul? Applause. I don't want applause. I want bowing. I want reverence shown. <laughs> you know, we, we have the, the special effects loaded, but, you know, it creates its own track. I'm not even going to worry about recording that right now.
1: That's true. You could have had you could hit the button once, and we could have had a, a one-hour track for that one button.
0: That's right. That's right. It's, it's rather entertaining. So... I'm a huge fan of uh, stand-up comedy. I've, I've been trying to kind of get um, the same kind of interest uh, in Richard, and he's he's got his he's got a handful of comics that he's interested in. But I was hoping that you could kind of tell us a little bit about how you got into comedy and the kind of uh, the kind of comedy that you do.
2: How did I get into comedy? Wow! I know the that's how a big and one. the why are, are are two different stories. How I just walked in an open mic. After, uh, and I'll get to the the genesis of why, but you just walk an open mic. That's the thing with comedians. Anyone can walk into a mic or whatever, do it once, and then say, I'm a comedian, and put that on their name on a Facebook page, and it drives every comedian crazy. Like, oh, I've done it once. That means I'm a comedian. You know, just because you threw one kick in the air doesn't make make you a kung Kung fu master. So let's just get that off to uh, to the races. Why I got into comedy? Uh, I started later in comedy, much later than most do. I uh, was always, you know, most comics will tell you, oh, you were told you were funny as a kid or a class clown, yeah, all that stuff too. And then I got, you know, went to college, graduated, and I did a you know, TV and film major, so I graduated with that. And I was under the influence that Steven Spielberg hangs out, ha- hands out, excuse me, associate director jobs right there when you get your diploma. That does not happen. So my dad said, okay, it's time to go out and get a real job. And I said, well, I want to work in film. Okay, go get a real job in film. Well, being a PA pays minimum wage. Oh, boy. And at the time, I lived in Central Jersey. So it's been, I just said, all right, well, I guess I'll go get a real job. And there goes my dream of doing film. So got into corporate America and medical sales, uh, MRI sales, then pharmaceutical sales. And then I worked for, you know, J&J. I worked for Merck. And toward the end of Merck, I was just saying, my God, there's so much more to life than watching people fight over each other for a promotion for another ten dollars or $15,000. There's so much more to life than listening to people brag about, oh, I flew to this many cities. I've got this many miles. And it's just – there's more to life than that. There's more to life than watching people just bleary-eyed and with a zombie-like look on their faces they got on the subway or the train. And I said, Nah, man, there's. I can't do this for the rest of my life. My dad had two heart attacks while working in corporate America. He's still alive, so I'm not going to bury the lead. Don't worry, guys, he's okay. <laughs> but it's. I said, there's more to life than this. And so I was kind of kicking the idea around. And then I saw a little film called Up in the Air with George Clooney. Have you boys ever seen that one? Oh yeah, love it. My favorite scene is where he fires the guy who plays Jay Jonah Jameson. You know, the drum teacher from from um, Whiplash. And the moment that got me was when he says, you know, he he got Clooney has to fire him. And he says, okay, now what do I do? And then Clooney looks at his resume and says, well, you know, you're a hell of a chef. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I see you you went to school, you know, culinary design. And you took a job as a pastry chef when you got out of college in a restaurant. And the line that just shot me in the ass, what is he said when he asked Jay Jonah Jameson, tell me this, how much do they pay you to give up on your dreams? And he goes, 25 grand. So I said right then and there, I go, well, that's a goddamn, that's a sign. So right then and there, I knew it was, uh, that was the moment to be. So I, uh, I said, let the hell, and that was, uh, I guess, fall of 2008, 2009, fall, and then 2010, March of, after about three months of writing some really bad jokes, uh, went to an open mic. G- gave it, gave it my go, and I got two or three legitimate laughs. Didn't tell anyone it was my first time because that's the easy way to get pandering applause, which I was not going to do, which I was told not to do. And I said, "Okay, cool." Then I did another night, Mike. That night, and again, same two or three laughs here or there. And I said, "All right, I'm on to something." And that's how I got into it. And why?
1: And those stand-up routines that you have, you, you know. After, after talking with some of the folks we've talked to before, it's something that you kind of cultivate over months and maybe even years. Oh, so yeah. how did you learn to kind of go about cultivating your routine when it was just like, hey, man, I'm going to go into it. I'm at, I'm at this bike and let's go. Like, how did you build that routine?
2: I built it by just writing down stuff that annoyed me. Uh, I observed or about me. And just, I mean, I've watched comedy. I don't know. God. I mean, I, the first special I truly remember watching was Eddie Murphy Raw because I wasn't allowed to watch it. I went to a buddy's house and got it. Good choice. And I said, holy shit, this is crazy. Then Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer was out when he was doing the MTV ads. And I listened to that tape. That blew my mind away. Chris Rock, Bring the Pain, another one that really grabbed me by the stones. Kinison, Dice. So we're starting to figure out how old I am. <laughs> and then, I mean, the best stand-up album of all time, and, and I will fight anyone who says otherwise, and all comics agree with me on this one, is David Tell's Skanks for the Memories, the funniest stand-up album. I have turned on more people to David Tell by just burning them that CD and giving it to them and then calling me an hour and a half later going, holy shit, man, you were right. So it's just, I knew kind of sort of how to structure jokes again just by watching stand-up. And then when i went to the mic i was like oh okay this is better and then you started watching more comics at clubs doing stuff and then you're like oh okay this is this is how it's done and, and you get better and better at it and you're right the act is a is a consistent progression of what you have you may think you have a jokes but then six months a year later you may be someone may give you a hey man here's a great tag for your joke and it's perfect and you throw it in there or you rearrange a word or two, or you think of something else funnier to throw in there in addition to, or just changing something. So it's it's usually an ongoing um, process. I mean, the, the bones are always there, but there is always things being added to uh, jokes that are tried, true, and proven.
0: It's kind of funky, uh, funny that you mentioned Dave Attell when we were doing our top 10. Uh, I was the only one of the three of us that had Dave Attell in my top 10 at uh, number five, just because... He has a certain amount of skill that I always wished I could emulate to a certain extent. He, I mean, he has his set material, but he has the capability to read a crowd and kind of adjust uh, in, in ways that I've, I've not seen a lot of other comedians be able to replicate.
2: It's not even fair what he's able to do. It's just his talent level is insane. He's one of the few comics that a lot of comics admit, like most comics when they do their stuff, they're like, all right, I'm out of here, I'm gone after they're set, nope, people stick around for David tell, or they'll stop talking amongst other comedians you know, when they're in the back, just hanging out and they'll pay attention to Tell. That's how great he is. That's how on the fly. He is. And it's just, if I could be as 10% as funny as he is, it's just me. <laughs> I've made it.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Comedy is, is a funny, is a funny thing because obviously we all, we all live in our own, uh, personal, um, Bubbles of experience. So we've got our own perspectives, things that are going to make us laugh, things that are going to be considered offensive or whatever, um, that are going to be, you know, kind of um, harder subjects to deal with, which kind of led me to think about what it, what comedy really means. What, what is the kind of the nugget that makes it work? And usually I don't get the opportunity to talk to somebody that is uh, in the process of crafting that. So you hear things that, uh, you know, like the old thing that comedy is tragedy plus time or that uh, you have to, uh, 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 I'm trying to remember the name of the, the comedian that talked about creating tension and then relieving the, the tension. How do you kind of see the structure of, of what works? Well, what works for you to kind of produce the reaction you're trying to get out of a crowd?
2: You want him to pay attention. I, um, I like to, I guess, paint myself as the, the, the cerebral fraternity guy. So I like to go out there. I'll go out there with some, you know, sometimes some dick and fart jokes. But I'll have, I'll paint in there two or three references that are like, whoa, that guy read that book. Like you look at me and go, oh, all right, <laughs> you know, he's a dude's dude, sure. But then, to go, then I'll drop a, a quote in from a film that you go, holy shit, Like, you know, three people will get it. And that's fine. Not every joke is for everybody. But the ones I want to get, I want to hook them in with those sometimes very esoteric references. So I like to go – I, I kind of like to weave around. I guess I like to throw fastballs. I also like to throw curveballs and, and off-speed pitches and just mix it up and change styles and, and whatnot. Some people like being punny. Some people like being a slow storyteller type. Some people just like rapid fire. I like to do a variation of all those and then some.
0: So you never quite go full Dennis Miller, but you like to get a little bit of that, that peppering of flavor in there.
2: So Yeah, sometimes <laughs> I do. Sometimes I'll, again, I'll throw a few out there while I just, I'll have people come up to the show and go, I've never heard someone make a reference to Bernie Sanders and the night, the Nazi who drank from the wrong grail, Indiana Jones and the last crusade before.
0: So <laughs> it's,
2: it's uh, or Hillary Clinton and Gary Busey in a wig, just stuff like that. People like the uh, the esoteric stuff, so yeah. Like I said, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy mixing up and throwing it around.
0: Okay, so because of trying to experiment with the style, every comedian hits it, they hit that just that instance where they just bomb. I mean, just awful, oh, yeah. awful. Do you have any? in retrospect funny stories that uh where you went out and everything seemed to just kind of go the wrong way
2: i was paid to host get ready for this hybrid a paint as in a you know, painting paint and real estate awards ceremony Ugh. go figure yeah and I tried, and the woman who booked me saw my tape. She goes, "You're funny. You're great. You're fast on your feet." Sure, fine. I get on, I get up there. I mean, it's everyone's in black tie. I'm wearing a suit, and everyone's just—I have them. I have some people in the in the palm of my hand, but everyone else just does not digging me at all. So I'm handing out awards, trying to crack jokes, and it's it's a whole. It's a barrel of whiffs Mm. to the point where after I was mercifully done, (laughs) one of the waitresses was smoking hot. She goes, "Woof! big swing and a miss, huh? (laughs) I go, ain't I? I said, that's funny coming from someone clearing dinner trays around the uh, around here.
0: So you made it. Yeah, but I
2: get get to come back tomorrow. I go, yeah, that's a good point. But uh, I get to leave here. We just were having some good fun repartee, but. She dropped, uh, she dropped one on me, and I got one on her. But, it, yeah, it, she, she stayed the obvious, and that's fine. Everyone just goes out, and everyone eats shit. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because sometimes you can have a set at 8 o'clock at night and just bring the house down with the same exact material, same exact pacing, intonation, everything. Hour and a half later, game over. Everyone is just not having it. Crickets. Fuck this guy. He's not funny. You know, a bunch of crossed arms legs crossed, and a, just a sour puss on their face. So really depends.
1: Sure. So I was just going to say or, or ask in, in terms of when you have those nights where things do go wrong, it's, it's a learning experience, what do you think is probably the best learning experience on a night-to-night basis when something like that happens?
2: Sometimes it just goes over with, you got to match the energy of the crowd sometimes, or you just got to punch them in the face and they'll wake up. You know, if you ever seen the Bernie Mac Def comedy jam one, the story behind him, where that's that's what brought him into the, to the spotlight. The story was the audience having anybody who went before him, the guy in front of him went, yeah, man, good luck with that. And he just came out and goes, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, That's that whole, that's the genesis of that story. Man, I and he went out there and punched him in the face repeatedly and just ripped the tits off that place. And sometimes you can do that, and sometimes you can't do that. Listen, Derek Jeter went over 4, over for 5 how many times, all right? It's, it's going to happen. What do you do about it? Sometimes you go over the material. Sometimes you say, you know what, the crowd, just not having somebody like me. Sometimes you walk into a crowd and you go, oh, shit, it's a bunch of 80-year-old church people. Sometimes if you say fuck, they laugh their asses off. Sometimes they hate you. But it it, it, again, it depends. And and listen, new set, new day. That's that's how it
0: goes. (laughs) What about um, crowd interaction? Some some comedians kind of just thrive off of uh, crowd work. Uh, Some of them tend to try and avoid it and just kind of plug past it. Uh, Do you tend to prefer sprinkling that in? You talked about punching them in the face. It seems like you're kind of a more interactive comedian. Is that a big tool in your arsenal?
2: Yes, it is very much so because it's a dance. It's a relationship. You want to have them on your side early. Like if let's say the last guy or girl ahead of you bombs, you're like, "Hey, uh, who, uh, who, Right? I'm different. Don't don't hold that against me." Just, I don't know, making it kind of a joke or, "Boy, you didn't like that guy. If you didn't like him, you're gonna fucking hate me." You know that might throw a little bit of a, a curveball or just it's again it's a dance when people are. Some people in the front want to be helpful and talk, and you you know you sometimes have a, a dialogue kind of sort of with them. Some people don't want to do that. I think it's fun because that way you like to I like to incorporate everybody in the back and or all around and just kind of bring them in, so that way you don't have groups forming at tables and start talking, and then I have to go break the tables up and like shut the fuck up. Like I don't want to do that. I have to do that sometimes, but if I feel if I bring everybody in from the beginning, and just and then you can also make it where you organically weave your material in the crowd work. You know that that makes it so much more of a genuine experience.
0: Seems like it would be.
1: Uh, do you have a a favorite venue or a favorite location that you've worked at or would like to work at? You know, some something that just kind of piques your interest.
2: Oh my god, I love I love road work. I work in the city, New York City, a lot, and the crowds there are a lot more tense in the sense of it's. Well, not right now. COVID shut everything down, guys. Let's right. be honest. But sometimes the crowds are just—they get—they want—they want to pretend that they're offending more just so they get more woke points. Which is funny because you can't—you know—you can't transfer woke points at a Dave and Buster's and get a spider ring or a cool little pencil or a neon <laughs> basketball, which is sad and pathetic. But when you're on the road in other places, like you know VFW halls, you know stuff like that, or. Other that's where any you can just let her rip and no one's gonna get a hair in their ass and it's and it's great. I probably would say one of the most fun venues I've done, not a venue, but yeah, it was a VFW, but it was a it was a cop. It was a it was a benefit for cops, and they're all in a motorcycle gang, and I you can go in there and just say whatever the fuck you want, and they or and just be. You want to go balls to the wall? They love it, love it, and they want to, and they want to interact. They're there to have fun and interact and and whatnot. So as long as you're fine with that, you can definitely play around with them. So I, I would say like the, the the on the road gigs, like stuff like that, are, are great. Sometimes at clubs you get the people with the like I said, trying to prove that they're a virtual signaler, and you're like, ugh, gross. And they want to prove a point, but you know sometimes, but yeah, I think the benefits are one, the benefits on the road are, are, are great, because they're, they're just, they don't give a shit, they're just everyday people want to go out, they pay money for a babysitter, so laugh, and that's it.
0: So no no dreams of uh, headlining the Apollo?
2: No, not at all. <laughs> not, and, and listen, the Apollo is a great spot, it's just it's not on my bucket list. Maybe if someone says you want to do it, yeah, I would do it, but I would really need to prepare uh, a different material and, 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 and different stylings. Cause it's you, if, if, especially for and black, by the way, my favorite crowds are black crowds who want to be there. Black people love comedy and they get into it. If you hook them from the beginning, they will be loyal as shit to you and they are there to laugh up, have a good time and, and they let shit go. And it's, they are fun. So, But again, with with Apollo, I'd have to really rearrange stuff and figure out and and really rehearse the shit out of it because that is a different venue. And if you don't, like I said, you don't get in the beginning, it is game over,
0: fast. That seems like a a lot of performance arts have that particular uh, problem. I've been to a number of theatrical performances where if the first act doesn't kind of go well, the rest of the uh, performance is not really going to do well either. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So okay, you kind of touched on something that I was I was hoping that you would touch on. Um, the face of comedy is shifting, or well, maybe not the face of comedy. Comedy is still comedy, but the reaction to comedy sometimes feels like it is not quite what it used to be. Some people it seems can get a uh, get away with it, get unscathed. You talk about a Dave Chappelle, and people want to come after him, and it's like uh, he's you know, they're just bouncing bullets, bouncing off of him. He is indestructible. There's, you can try whatever you want, but you know, it's fine. Uh, other comics, not so lucky. I know Gilbert got in a, in, a, in a bunch of heat and I guess it's longer ago than it feels like, but it feels like it was not that long ago. How does that affect how you approach the craft?
2: Um, Right now, especially it's a fine dance. You said Chappelle, how he's bulletproof. You're right. First of all, he can't be he can't be taken down because he's so high up in the echelon of comedy. No, no one's gonna be able to take him down. He's just gonna say, "Fuck you." They're jokes, and that's it. If you don't like it, eat my ass and leave. If you don't like it, and also right now, if you're, I think if you're a black comic, you've got a lot more leeway to go and say stuff than you do if you're a white comic, especially right now in this current situation with uh, with, with with what's going on. So, but. How does it affect me? It's again, I haven't, I've done a few zoom shows. I was supposed to have a gig tomorrow night that got canceled. So yes, I, so I haven't done an in-person show since God, it was a late February or early March, somewhere around there. So I've heard people saying that they have to dance a little bit more and kind of just err on the side of caution. I don't know how it's going to be. I'd have to know what the venue, the, the comics yeah. were on there. Usually when they book comics, they try and have, uh, uh, they try and vary in, in styles and looks and such. And sometimes if they don't, it's just an easy, okay, it's this kind of you know group of comedians, then you know what you can expect. But if it's a mix, you got to go, okay, let me get there, let me sniff the crowd out. It's a dance. But there are certain, there, there are, I don't know, several, you know, a good amount of bits I have where you know it plays no matter where you are. So but some things you may be able to play with some things you won't be able to play with some things you'll have to tamper down or edit or change something. But again, I, I haven't done it yet. So it's going to be a little bit of a, a transition for me is some of my friends have actually done other shows where they had to, and they told me about it. Hey, you know, some people are still a little on edge. You got to watch this or that or whatever. So it's going to come down to a case by case basis.
1: So have you, have you done a, a virtual or a zoom show yet? Yes. And let tell tell us about that experience because obviously, I mean, everybody knows that's a different ball game, but like, what's, what's it like on your end trying to deliver that material?
2: It's hard because there's a delay. You're not always, sometimes they mute the audience because you need to feed off the energy of the audience. The timing is off because of the delay. It's very tough. I really don't like doing them unless it's someone's friend or if it's paying well, hell I'll juggle chainsaws on zoom for all I give a shit. (laughs) So it doesn't matter. But I mean, not, not the best way, but right now it's kind of one of the main ways. Some people are a lot more creative. Now they're doing shows out in the open on the back of flatbed trucks, standing up on a picnic table. I've got a buddy who does that in alleyways, Hmm. you know, in front of restaurants, it's they're, they're getting creative. But you know, some people are down with it. Some people are not down with it. So, but yeah, it's um, it's Zoom not ideal by
0: any stretch. Well, you have some. Uh, you you have the the tools, the experience needed to be able to overcome this because you have other projects you uh, you do that are not necessarily requiring of in person uh, crowd reactions. You've got a couple of things that you do, uh, comedians watching comedians that Actually, uh,
2: it's, it's comics watching comics, comics,
0: watching comics. Right. That, yes. that looked like an interesting, uh, an interesting concept. What, what is that about? Is it just kind of deconstructing another stand-ups routine and what you liked and what you didn't? What, how, what are you, what do you do with that?
2: Well, I will say that your insight is spot on. It is an interesting concept. The reason how this came around was I, Intermediate comics—it's so hard, especially in New York, because there's there there are a lot of places to perform, but when you want to get in the clubs and the in the big time spots, I mean that's where all the big names are, and good luck knocking them off the Mm. the, the shelf. But and and they they get a lot of the TV spots too. But I just wanted to create a forum where it was so people who were past the newer stage, but not not the names that you know, household names, to give them a forum to say, hey, let's let's try this, and also. Not just make it all inside baseball like a lot of comedy is. It's showing people how comedians think and act and what goes into it. So the first half, it's, well, it's on a half, but it's inter, it's it's mixed in. It's it's last comic standing meets Mystery Science Theater three thousand. So what happens is this: we tape a bunch of comics and. You know, they all do five minutes. We tape them all. We, you know, rent out a a club I'm friends with, friendly with the owner, and we take the footage to my house. And I bring over more tenured, more successful panelists than I am to watch and and critique and praise and offer advice. And if we're terrible, you know, we shit on them. But it's, I mean, ball, but (laughs) but we ball busting each other. But it's kind of like we're pulling the curtain down. And showing you the general public what it's like when we, the comics, are in the back of the comedy club, you know, watching a comedian giving our takes, saying, "Oh, that's a good one," "That's a good joke here," or "Oh, he missed an opportunity there," or "Wow, that's a great tagline that she had written," or uh, "This motherfucker needs to quit; they're terrible," something like that. But again, also ball busting each other is something we uh, that that's where it is comes down to. And I also interview the panelists. You know, road stories. What do you like about comedy? What do you like? What do you hate about it? Some of your, again, audition stories. What are your side projects? Just trying to get in ahead because with comedy, there's no real, there's no syllabus. This is the hardest thing anyone can ever imagine to do because, again, there is no syllabus. You go to a corporate America job, it's okay. You're entry level. You do this, you do X, you do Y, you come junior level. You do Z, you do A, B. Then you become mid-manager level. There's none of that shit in comedy. It's all gut, a lot. It's some luck, and a a lot of people who are insanely talented and should be higher than what they are aren't. And some people who aren't, you know. And and of course, the uh, the inverse goes for that as well. So it's so weird. There is no rhyme or reason, you know. So it's it's a whole. The show again shows all that what it's like. And what I really want to do is I want to put a pin in a balloon of hopes of people who think their office funny go, I could do that. No, you can't do that. (laughs) You're not funny. Don't try. Don't get me wrong. There are anomalies, but you're the exception, not the rule. Stop it. Just because you can crack up four people around the water cooler. Doesn't mean that you're ready to have a Netflix special.
0: Sometimes a little, a little upfront cruelty to, to save, uh, um, long-term mental, um, problems that, that would go along with uh, stumbling and falling on your face repeatedly might, might be, might be a good thing to have. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's and a lot of comics don't, they don't have self-awareness. A lot of people think they're greater than what they are just funny. And sometimes they get a little perturbed if we told them that they aren't that good. And, uh, so, but that's what they need to hear sometimes, but, and other people need to be told that they're great and they need to do that. And they just need a boost in the right uh, direction and this show has helped do that, and that's again the bottom line of the show is to help promote intermediate comics. So it's a it's a, it's a dash of everything in between.
0: Now, one thing I with a little bit that I was able to see before we we got on here because I I now have something new to add to my watch list that that's already way too long, uh, but <laughs> with what I was able to see the the interactions between the the people that you have on are. I don't want to say family-like, but the it's kind of a, a different animal. The it seems the way comedians interact with each other, and yes. and and what do you what do you think kind of builds that camaraderie? Is it just kind of experiencing the same thing in the trenches, or is it is it a mental state? What kind of gets you to the point where you're you're in that kind of family vibe?
2: It's a fraternity. You hit the nail right on the head. It really is. We speak a different language than a lot of people do. I mean, if you were ever to hang out at a diner at 2 a.m. with comedians after a show, you'd be pissing your pants laughing because everyone, it's always, always constant competition in the sense of you're not doing your material when you're hanging out, but you are, you're trying to be funny, but not shoehorning it down people's throats, you know, but it's, its and you vibe off each other, and and I have some of my very good friends there, it's just, we, we i've built a network of people that i've got their backs and have helped them with a lot of shit and the same goes the other way they have had my back delvin cox perfect example another guy who just they want to help you out because you're, you're good people and you want to help out and see people that who get off the, who got off their asses and do stuff you want to see them succeed and, and if you can help out by all means so do it and that's that's really what it becomes to but with the some of your circles in, in in comedy. Don't get me wrong; there are plenty of assholes that I love to see go down in flames and eat shit <laughs> and, uh, and go down on, on a drowning ship while sharks are in the water. Don't don't mistake that. But there are a lot of people that are, are fantastic, and I and they're deep near and dear friends of mine. And you know, it's 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 a, it truly is a fraternity, and uh, it's it's special.
1: Do you find the participation in your show? Uh, like people are very eager to do it or are you, and it, and it, you have like a list of people that are, are waiting to kind of come onto the show at this point too.
2: Yep. Yes. Yes. And yes, yes. People are waiting to get on because it, because the reason why is it's got, it's, it's the show. There are a lot. I mean, I'm going to take a stab and say 90% of the people who've appeared in the show. This is the biggest credit they have. And that's being on Amazon prime. You know, they all, they now have an IMDB credit. So they know, and it has helped people go. I was on Amazon. I was on comics, watching comics. I'm on Amazon Prime. If you're hanging out with other comics, that's a pretty damn cool thing to say instead of, oh, I played this club in New York City. Who gives a shit? Oh, you're on a network. <laughs> you're on a show. That's badass. You know, what, what carries more weight? I played Gotham Comedy Club, or I was on Netflix or Amazon. Yeah, obviously, choice number two. So yeah, people want to get on it, and also they want to they want to learn. They want to have the balls uh, from other people to say that joke's great or that joke needs tweaking, or that joke sucks because you got a lot of people who will always say, Hey man, you're great. No matter what either a, they're great friends of yours and they'll just say that because they're friends and they want to hurt your feelings or B they want to tell you that they're good, but you suck, but they want to see you continue to suck. So they continue to be good. See? So with us, it's, it's dead nuts on honesty, like it or love it. We, we, we come straight, no mincing of the words.
0: I think one of the other things that kind of struck me is, A lot of projects that you'll see, people are there, but it feels like sometimes they're going through the motions. Um, The people that I saw on your show don't appear that way. They seem to be genuinely having fun, and that comes through uh, in the final product.
2: You're saying that the comedians are performing or the panelists?
0: The panelists,
2: Oh, the yeah, the panelists want to be there. The comedians, if they mail it in and we can sniff it out, I don't I don't know how many episodes you watch of the show, but we can sniff it out in three seconds if you're mailing it in. And then we come back and we empty our barrels in you and just leave you for dead. <laughs> Cause you know, you you've taken an opportunity taken an opportunity away from somebody that wanted to be there, but you're just going to mail it in and half ass it. And then, and then we tear them a new asshole, but you're right. The panelists want to be there. It's fun. They get to hang out at my house all day and get all boozed up and talk shit. And, and again, bust each other's balls. Yeah. It, it is a fun taping. I, again, I pick people that I know who, who've kicked ass in this business and respect and all that shit. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a fun day for sure. And uh, you know, they they've done me favors by coming on this show. and uh, and doing it. So it's, it's great.
0: With everything that's going on, um, making kind of in-person recording a little more difficult. When is the next, um, the next grouping, the next installment going to come out?
2: When a network pays for this shit for me and gives me a budget because I finance everything out of my own pocket. (laughs) (laughs) So I get paid by Amazon for reviews, but I'm just tired of forking out money to lay out for the budget and just doing, I did, I do damn near everything. I haven't, I watch it and I clock the edits. I have an editor who makes it look all nice and I have an audio mixer, but it's just, and especially right now that I can't do the show now with, with, with coronavirus. So it's not right. even an issue, but the goal is, is trying, and we are in talks and trying to get meetings and such and with, with, with people who do want to, you know, put the show on a channel or a network or wherever. And, you know, we're, uh, we're working on that.
0: Yeah, that uh, that seems like it's a, a, a never ending battle.
2: It is. It is. And let's say if it doesn't happen. Well, guess what? I have eight seasons of a show, which that show. Hey, Kevin Goatee came up with a great concept and he hosted it. and He did the whole thing from soup to nuts. So he's a guy that we can bet on for another kind of show that he has created or maybe something else that we have that we think he could host for. So it's a it's a hell of a, a, a credit on my resume. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. Now, I, I've been kind of putting the, this this last kind of um, subject off to the to the to the end of this for for a couple reasons. One, because I think it's going to be the the most fun out of all this, and it has to do with your other project that that you work on uh, in podcasting. But also, uh, um, I think I could talk for hours a, about movies, but the way that uh, you approach it is is a little bit different. Um, so gutting the sacred cow. Uh, tell us yes, j- sir. just a little bit about that.
2: This is probably, I'm, I'm insanely proud of this one because uh, fantasy football jibber jabber is a combination of, and I, here's you're going to see a theme real fast. I like taking things that are established, but putting one hell of a unique twist on it. So it's, I'm not asking you to invest your time in something completely unheard of and have to build up your trust and uh, while watching it through whatever, this is all these things I've created are things that are established and people already love. But again, insanely unique. Gutting the Sacred Cow. I'm a movie snob big time. And I have very I am very opinionated on films. People a lot of people like people like them, a lot of people hate them. But the ones who hate them are wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> so but here's the thing. Every jerk off doing a film podcast. It's the same thing. It's we're going to talk about, you know, podcasts from the 80s or sorry, films from the 80s or the 90s. Or we're going to talk about one famous actors. We're going to do all their favorite, all the films. But every one of those uh, podcasts I just described has 50 knockoffs of it. Hmm. And, it, you know, and, I, and I've done some of them and they're just there's no flavor. There's no pow. I mean, they're not comics. So, OK, I, 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 I'm not going to beat them up for that. But at at least with our our show, it's different. Here's why. Gutting the Sacred Cow, the title alone kind of maybe clues you in. We ask our guests to pick a film that they hate or they find insanely overrated. But here's the twist. you got to pick a film that meets one of these criteria. One, a uh, widely beloved film. Two, critically acclaimed. Or three, financially successful. Because anyone can go out and shit on Friday the 13th Part 7. That's like dunking on Muggsy Bogues. Anybody can do it. Anyone can do it. But it's going to take skill for you to come up and try and shit on Pulp Fiction or Star Wars or The Matrix or Fight Club or Batman Begins or Batman Returns or whatever. Now, do we agree with the the guest? Absolutely. Some of those films they picked are dog shit. Some of them are not. And we just... You know, we'll we'll go to war on it. We'll go to we'll, we'll die on that hill if we need to. But the point is, we're we're talking about films that the, the goal is, and we've gotten it happen more than I as much as I want to, and I hope more. I love when people look at a, our podcast and they look at the new episode that just got uploaded or down uploaded, right? And they go, "What the fuck? Who can take on the Goonies? Who's got the balls of shit on the Goonies?" I love the Goonies. it's one of my favorite films and we do like we want people getting angry that someone has the audacity to go and try and shit on one of their favorite films from as a kid or as an adult or that's in my top 5 fuck these guys you know <laughs> that's our goal and that's what we do is to get that debate going on and if you and there's no better compliment. Our last two iTunes reviews today came in and was the guy was like, even if you so disagree with their viewpoints, they are funny. And that's because we're two comedians. It's myself and my co host, Kevin Israel, another stand up comic who's also a movie snob. And it's, it's we get into it and we, we write jokes. We make it funny. Again, we're not four dudes sitting around a table knocking back beers and they're like, yeah, man, I like Jedi better. Oh, yeah, I like Empire better. Oh, fuck you both. I like Star Wars better blah 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 that's done that's boring we want to get you more we want to do 201 stuff not 101 stuff with this this is more 201 a lot more in depth and 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 ball busting with the debates we have segments on there we you know five fun facts is one of my what is, is a great one we even go through the critics five star and one star reviews as well as Amazon five-star. And my mm. absolute favorite is the Amazon one-star reviews because people are fucking dumb and they put it <laughs> and they have the need to write their opinions on a third grade level in Amazon. And nothing makes me happier than reading their dopey opinions and people and our fans love it. It's fucking funny. Uh-huh. And then we also go over to see, Hey, did this person gut the sacred cow? Yes or no right now. I think I think uh, the guests in the show are, are at a 35, 40 forty-ish percent success rate. So, it's a uh, that's solid. It's a, it's a, yeah, listen, you better be good. In fact, another the guys who did the Top Gun episode, they said on our podcast, the, the one guy I was I, I was talking through on Twitter to do the show, he told he's also in the show. He's like, I called Jake, and he goes, dude. You need to listen to like four episodes. These guys don't fuck around, so they they binge a bunch of episodes just so they know like how what, what our points of attack are and how we, you know how we may how we may diffuse an argument if we disagree with them. So they're like, dude, we binge. We know what you might say, or at least have an idea. So they came prepared. So that was that was a hell of a compliment. Nice.
1: Yeah, we. I mean, we can do that to a small extent. <laughs> we have our little back and forth, you know, like Lord of the Rings is, is you know,
0: fantastic. Awful
1: because of one person. But I mean, it's, I, I like that point of view, that perspective where it's the same thing for music too, where some people just love artists, and bands, like it's no tomorrow when in reality they're awful. So it's just, I, I like that concept of finding something that it's 85% like, well, why do the 15% not like it? And, do they have good points for not liking it that's pretty well good you mentioned
2: Lord you mentioned Lord of the Rings and not too long ago Sean O'Connell came on and uh, that was a film that he chose was Lord of the Rings and we have our thoughts on that so you can definitely go out and, and see if you agree with us or disagree with us on uh, the Lord of the Rings episode
0: yeah that that that's always good stuff uh, get get people uh get people particularly riled up and then uh, then let them go spending a top really is what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> So in doing this, is there a film that you particularly had in your memory as being fantastic and somebody came on the show and they changed your mind?
2: Did someone come on and change my mind? No, I will say this. They have they gave us the the, if it's a film, I'll give one one uh, away. Episode three was Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I fucking love that film. And the guy who does that, who did it, who's actually our only repeat guest, And ironically, I'll be on their show tomorrow and I'll shout out Bill Schultz on the compound media network, Bill and Joanne morning show. I love those two. Bill did Indiana Jones and the last crusade. He also did recently independence day. I love I love Indiana Jones. As I last said, the third one is my personal favorite. I'm not going to shit on you. If you put Raiders first, but I get it. So he came on. He didn't change our minds. We still love it, but he definitely poked some good holes in there. Uh, and then look at my list right now. Did anyone else? So, Peter Garacci did Godfather Part Two. Oh. Didn't sway us, but made some amazing points in there about Godfather Two being overrated. Not sucking, but overrated. Yeah. Uh, Jim and yeah, Jim and when we rewatched Inception, boy, oh boy, that's a different one. <laughs> and uh i would say the goonies episode that i just referenced that before yeah that's one that you're watching go huh hmm so without teasing that you'll uh take a listen for yourselves. but no one has been able to fully go you know what i've convinced you you've convinced me man congratulations with uh you the, the most someone like i said has, has gotten a few people have gotten us to acquiesce on a few of their points but that's it but not complete sway
0: Hey, that's that's a, a step in the right direction. Sometimes you just have to get get the right person that uh, is either going to have the the points that are are going to appeal to your personality, or that you are so scared of that you're too afraid to, <laughs> to disagree with them in person.
2: Yeah, I, I think there are a few films that are completely bulletproof, and I, I got to say without without thinking. Goodfellas has to be on that list of completely bulletproof films.
0: It's a pretty it's got, solid film. God,
2: Godfather one, also bulletproof. Um, th- those are the two we, we talked about it on a podcast too, and I'm blanking on, on other ones, but those are two right off the bat that I think there's no one who's going to have the balls to try and shoot those down. There's they're perfect films. They're literally perfect.
0: Yeah. I, I've got, I know, I know both Richard and I have a handful of films that people just absolutely love that just rub us the wrong way every time. I know for me, like Titanic, I hated that movie. That but, was on
2: our podcast. Yeah. That,
0: that, uh, that was uh many hours of my life that I'll never get back. And I, I still have nightmares, but I'll give you one seen another it. one.
2: That's that's unassailable toy story. Good luck. Asshole oh, to try and shit yeah. on toy story.
0: I don't, I don't have anything good about that one. That that's, that's a uh, near and dear to my heart on, on that. That's
2: excellent. It's, it's one of the few films of Rotten Tomatoes that has a 100% perfect score.
0: So, yeah, when you get that kind of a cast and uh, the style of animation. Yeah, anyway. So how much do you kind of bleed over? Are you on top of being, I mean, you talked about uh, we we're a little bit before we started talking about comic books, too. That's kind of where we often focus is uh, comic book movies. Are you a Marvel person, a DC person? Where does your comic interest lie?
2: So my co-host is a comic book guy. He's Marvel through and through. I've never read a comic book. I bought the one where Superman got killed cuz I thought it'd be worth a lot of money. It's not. <laughs> but that being said, Batman is my favorite, but I prefer Marvel films. Blow the living shit out of DC stuff out of the water. So, and I've seen the I think I've seen every single comic book film there is. Sans that that shitty Fantastic 4 film that came out in the late 80s. Uh, And the reboot Fantastic Four, because that was terrible. I'm not going to waste my time. I heard that was awful. But, I mean, I've seen all the MCU stuff I've seen, and 95% of it, it's amazing. But, yeah, I've seen all of them. and, And I do appreciate damn near all of them. Love damn near all of them, to be honest.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. If you want to be sure that you have seen every movie based on a comic book, you need to stop by our website. We have the Ultimate Comic Movie Database. Every film ever based on a comic strip or comic book whether it is uh, current day or stretching all the way back, maybe a little further than you might expect. Uh, the first uh, one that we have uncovered so far was in 1898. So wow. they've, been, they've been making them for a lot longer than most people realize. But, uh, yeah, some good stuff. And then you can always uh, annoy people with useless facts off of the list.
2: <laughs> I can sure. only imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, okay keeping on the comic book fane, are you i'm sure you've probably already seen the justice league movie right
2: yes and we actually recently did batman versus superman and i all and i at first told the guests no because no one likes batman superman and she would oh. uh and i'll shout her out because she's a great gal tia fady from geekvibesnation.com wanted to do that because geekvibesnation i'm sure you can imagine by the name of the website a lot of you know quote-unquote nerds on that one and she said on her website that a lot of people in the on the chat and all that good stuff or whatever single uh sorry social media is that they loved love batman and superman and she wanted to take it down just to prove to them that you guys are wrong you guys are just dc fanboys who just try and defend that zack snyder piece of shit and uh <laughs> spoiler i mean no bones about that i always like to bury the lead which way i lean uh, we were very upfront and honest in saying that film blows and the, that Snyder cut idea. We're going to recycle that film three and a half hours more of you know, puree dog shit. No, thank you. But Kevin,
0: so, it wasn't Snyder's fault. It was it was all that awful Joss Whedon. He came in and ruined everything.
2: It wasn't. It? Uh, how about the script itself? Maybe that was it. And maybe it was just a boring no
0: oh yeah but yeah
2: so yeah we 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 tackled a lot you know comic book films too how many we've done batman begins batman returns batman superman i think that's the three comic book ones we've done so yeah
1: yeah there's just so much animated dc stuff that's so much better that yeah the whole zack snyder world is just unfortunately pretty weak and not well-focused so
2: no as are most of his films so nah he's he's on brand with
1: that in my book <laughs> true oh, yeah um are you are you still planning this season to do an uh another fantasy football jibber jabber
2: yeah we are we're in fact i had a conversation day with a very well-known casino chain about they do a uh they do a, a betting website so we're, we're looking to see if we can get them to finance that so we'd love to do that we'd love to have jibber jabber out there because we've uh you know we worked our asses off on that we've uh it's, it's a different for that for those who don't know to talk about fantasy football jibber jabber nix's fantasy football advice and nfl handicapping my buddy gerard Heron and i do a month Monster job of giving you the top fantasy plays and sits of the week, but more importantly, I think making free money. Last year, I was sixty-two percent. Year before that, I was I think sixty-one percent, or right around there again. And I just had a, an amazing um, last two years betting, and, and it's uh, people love that. It's like, hey, we can make people money and have fun, and. That's the difference between us and every other show on ESPN. You got the guys, you know, the Chris Bermans of the world and three other guys yucking it up over quote-unquote jokes that they're telling (laughs) that aren't funny. But no one else combines fantasy football with gambling and vice versa. The gambling shows aren't funny. It's just we write jokes. We are funny. That's the bottom line. So that's how we mix two things that are proven and do it in a different way that's completely different and, you know, entertaining to watch.
0: More,
1: well, more? now that it's been it's been legalized in so many states too, that oh, yeah. uh, it's it's you don't have to go to some offshore thing and or just bet with your friends that you can go on to shoot even here in Indiana. There's multiple there's multiple places that you can bet just for online purposes, whatever you wanted to bet on. And it's weird that Indiana actually is legal. A lot of other states aren't. It's a,
2: yeah, I, it's, it's odd. I that, mean. But, Vegas, obviously, first in Jersey. You know, was the first, you know, the fastest one. I think to get sports betting out there. I live ten yep. minutes from Giant Stadium, and the DraftKings complex. I went there once. I still bet through a bookie because it's too much. It's easier that way. That's why. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I, I was actually talking with one of the ladies today, and it's not legal. It's legal in a lot of spots that you think it w- wouldn't be legal, and, and illegal in places that you think it would be legal. So it's just odd that that that's the case for for them specifically
1: it's just too much money to be made for governments and states to have it still be illegal. It just kind of blows my mind at this point.
2: Yeah. I mean, the same thing happened with weed until they got over that stigma real quick when they realized, Oh wow, we can open government owned shops and charge what they do for, you know, what they do on the street and then take all that and just dump it in our, our tax pool and then still jack up the prices to every other citizen out there. But you know, that's how it is.
0: It's it's, it, it's important to be able to take care of the important things, like staying in power. I mean, that's that's the ultimate line that we really need to be focusing on.
2: You're not kidding, not at
0: all. But uh, okay, so how about this? Okay, thinking back towards uh, unassailable unassailable movies, what is sure. the what is the closest on the comic book films? Do you think to a comic book film that could not be assailed?
2: Dark Knight, Avengers: Endgame, Infinity War. Those are off the top of my head. Let me think about what else. Iron Man. I mean, those. That's another excellent one. Captain America Two. Winter Soldier was 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 amazing. Yeah. Um, you may want to say Spider Man: Homecoming. You definitely want to probably throw in Spider Man, the Spider Verse one in there, the animated one. Dark Knight. Let me think. You know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on a little bit of a limb with this one i think blade is fucking excellent and is damn near unassailable as well That's blade cool. is the first black superhero film mind you not black panther but you know i think blade, people could yes. argue they can argue black panther is overrated it's great well i remember when it came out it was getting like nines and tens out of tens it goes stop it stop <laughs> it's very good it's a seven seven and a half maybe an eight But it's not. And then, of course, when 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 Infinity War came out, we all everyone just laughed. Like, remember that when they tried to say that was the perfect film, and then Endgame comes out or or Infinity War comes out and just blew the doors off of it. Yeah, no, it's not. Sorry, buddy, you're wrong. But those are the ones I would say definitely jump out at me. Would be, I guess, the Dark Knight, both the last two Avengers, Iron Man, Blade. I think is so great and and pretty pretty seamless. With the with the, with the storyline and damn it what was the other one I said, I think I mentioned uh, Captain America right, Winter right. Soldier.
0: Yeah, maybe. What maybe, about you
2: boys? What do you think?
0: Well, Howard the Duck, obviously, you got to put that in any list.
2: <laughs> oh, now you're telling jokes. I got. Well,
0: it. yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, if I can get a giggle out of a comedian, I feel like uh, I'm doing my job. Victory. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, for me, there there are a handful um, that. Uh, that I like more than others. The Spider-Verse film is, is deceptively good. I mean, I, I I think that, I think that's going to, a lot of films are good at first, but don't always stand the test of time. Once you start really looking into it, kind of a la the Goonies, you know, I love that uh, movie as a a kid, but when you watch it again later, it just doesn't, there's some problems. (laughs) But I, I don't think that's going to happen with something like uh, Spider-Verse. It, it avoids a lot of the trappings that can make a film age poorly and all the voice acting is excellent. And it's just kind of fun. Um, right. Maybe I'm fond of Conan the Barbarian, the the original Schwarzenegger. I mean, that, that always holds sure. a, a fond place in my heart. But uh, um, when you mentioned the uh, second Captain America, just in terms of – a, the first comic, recognizably comic book movie um, that doesn't necessarily feel like a comic book movie. That that to me was kind of, oh, they finally they figured it out. This is what you need to do to keep this viable going forward. And then they right. kind of replicated it. But uh, Road to Perdition, I mean, that's, that's a great example.
1: That's the one I was going to say it was Road to Perdition.
2: Earlier I had no one. idea that was a comic book.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of really surprising ones in there. Um, yeah,
2: my co-host loves Constantine, but thought the film missed the mark. Thought it was good, but not good enough.
0: Yeah, it was good. It just wasn't Constantine.
2: Right. That's that. That was his point. So, but I, I haven't seen Constantine yet. Nor did I read it. And uh, well, maybe I will one of these. If you, I'll, I'll see it one of these days. Read it. No, not happening. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say if if you're gonna do both of them, watch it before you read it, and then you'll have a better experience. But. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's well, a little different. Well, go ahead, Richard.
1: The animated ones, the, like Justice League Dark and uh, Justice League Apocalypse War, I think get you a pretty good representation on the Constantine character.
0: Yeah.
1: But those are animated movies. so yeah. yeah.
0: But, you know, sometimes it's good just to enjoy a movie that was never intended to. Well, okay, I, I can't really say it that way. I was about to say a movie that was never intended to be any good. Everybody that creates a movie is, uh, for the most part, hoping to make something that's going to last. But and you are talking about watching the 1994 Fantastic Four, and that, that was definitely not the purpose of that film. We actually talked to uh, Carl Chiafaglio, who uh, was the thing in that film. He, was, uh, he had some fun insights from that. But in a similar vein, if you ever want to have some fun, watch the old uh, late 70s Captain America movie. Oh, my God. I saw that was like on Channel 11 back in the day. That is terrible. <laughs> it's <is> really bad. <laughs> but in a fun way, if you go into it knowing this isn't going to be any good, um, then then you can kind of have some fun with it. Just like the the Doctor Strange film. There are actually two uh Doctor Strange films that came out previous to the one that was released. One that actually got the name of Doctor Strange and one that didn't because they weren't able to get the rights to it uh before they finished the film. So you, you can uh you can kind of have some you can find just just enjoy it to know that it's gonna be awful and, and it's like eating, you know, pork rinds. I mean, it's bad for you, but it's still good. Why not? So, all right, before we wind down here, um, I know you, uh, I know you mentioned you had something you were going to be doing tomorrow, but I always want to make sure there's a chance. What really cool things are coming up that we need to talk about uh, for you? Is there a, a specific uh, show that you're going to be doing that's going to be awesome? This is going to be uh, coming out in about Three weeks.
2: Three weeks. Uh, I wish you would have said two weeks, then I could have done my Im- impression of Arnold in Total Recall. <laughs> two weeks. Yeah. Excellent. That's it. Okay. So, episode-wise, I'll tell you what we've got going on. And every week, we let the fans vote, because we always have a bunch of eps in the bank. Right now, and go on our Twitter page. Ed, this is a perfect segue for a right social media shout-out. GTSC Podcast. Cutting the Sacred Cow Podcast. We are airing, right now, this week, Mike Price, who is a writer for The Simpsons and Efforts for Family, he chose Batman Returns. Next week, the fans have already spoken, Bill McCuddy from PBS, a film critic, has chosen to do Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Now, the other films we have in the queue are Fight Club, Parasite, Ace Ventura, and did I say Fight Club? Yes, you did. And Mighty Ducks.
0: So Mm, those are
2: the ones we have coming out soon. And we got a few guys from Barstool Network coming on as well in the next couple of weeks. Mike Lombardi from the NFL podcast also used to be the player uh, of director of player personnel for the Patriots under Belichick. He's going to come on the podcast in a few weeks, but I'm telling you if, if you're a film fan, if you love film debate, you can start at the beginning. It takes us a little bit to get our our legs under us, but that's episode one with Batman begins, but I'll tell you right now, I, get, I think whatever everyone loves the Anthony Cumia from Opie and Anthony, uh, fam. Anthony Cumia episode where he does face-off is great. Mm-hmm. Dave Landau doing Philadelphia, yeah, that Philadelphia is fucking hysterical. All, all I did was make him laugh, and all he did was make me laugh. And Kevin was just awkward in the middle. The other Kevin was all just sitting in there awkwardly in the middle. That's a great episode. <laughs> and uh, Joey, I know Osischinski doing Greece is great. If you're a fan of film debate, if you just want to hear people try and take down some of our greatest films, this is the podcast for you. And, boy, I don't know what else to say about that. But guttingthesacredcow.com. Go there. Oh, that's what I'm going to say. Go there every day. Why? Every Monday through Friday, we have a new piece of – a new blog out. Every Monday, we do our hashtag list of 10. So yesterday, we did a hashtag list of 10. 10 best trailers, in my opinion, and 10 best from Kevin. Kevin's opinion, favorite trailers. Doesn't mean the movies were good. It means we thought the trailers were kick-ass. Today was quotes. Uh, Tuesday's quotes. Wednesday, movies that we've recently seen. Thursday, movie news. Friday, movie sequels that we want to see or never asked for. So, guttingthesacredcow.com for that, as well as our merch store. Do us a favor, pretty please. Go buy a hat, t-shirt, bag, whatever, for a vacation that you're not going to go on because of coronavirus. Right. But uh, yeah, guttingthesacredcow.com has everything. We're a podcast. You can also watch our episodes on YouTube. So if you're a visual person, you want to see me, you want to see Kevin's uh, beard in different stages, that's pretty cool. But give that a, a looky-loo. So guttingthesacredcow.com. We're on all social medias, all podcast platforms, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. But guttingthesacredcow is, is where everything is. And we'd love to be more than happy love to come to your town as soon as this coronavirus shit clears up so we can do we, we're going to do live shows we've got a bunch of stuff in mind and just waiting for that to to clear so we can have people in public again
0: that's that's excellent now for those of our listeners that do not appreciate shameless plugs or social media i would like for you to reach <laughs> out to us at real pudding guys on twitter <laughs> at putting guys on facebook and instagram and of course at patreon where you can support us while we bring fantastic people like kevin goatee onto our show for the low low price of only one dollar a month we can buy better equipment we'll sound better don't you want us to sound better i know we do yes until next time keep watching movies don't hold your opinions back and definitely check this guy out he is hilarious and we really appreciate you coming on to our show sir
2: Thanks, guys, for having me. This was fun. This is this hour went by fast. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, I didn't. <laughs>